1: we anyway.
2: Is it me, or does it feel like City have jump-started their season? Another comfortable win, another clean sheet, and another performance, more like that which we've been used to from a Pep Guardiola team. But it's the Manchester derby at the weekend, so let's reserve judgement until after that, shall we? And that makes today's Why Always Us an interesting prospect as we look at where City are going into this weekend's game. I'm David Mooney. I'm joined by Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Yeah, hello. Good weekend? Good win for City? Uh, It was, uh,
0: yeah. It was a it was an alright win for City in the sense that last week when we talked about Burnley and it's only Burnley, like I was very like careful to give City credit where it's due because while it was only Burnley, City did a lot of things that they hadn't been doing and you know, they exploited those gaps in a way that they hadn't recently and kind of another way to make that point was what happened against Fulham but it was a good win but there were opportunities there to have scored another you know another four or five goals like they did the weekend before and they didn't quite manage it so was it a good win yeah it was fine they controlled it Fulham didn't do anything City were sharper than they have been of late but not as clinical as they were the week before so yeah it was it was all right
2: I honestly I thought it was more fun I, I had I had a lot more fun watching. They were City. knocking it yeah. about
0: quite well. They were knocking
2: it about very well, like,
0: but it just seemed to, like, and even it seemed it seemed to be towards the the right hand side of the penalty box in the first half. There were there seemed to be times where you know De Bruyne would slip in, Miroslav in behind, or Miroslav would slip in, uh, Cancelo maybe. Jesus was around there, you know, linking up. It, it just never it just never seemed to go anywhere. Um, but yeah, it was certainly fun. Probably I don't know more so in the first half. Second half got to a bit like okay, this game is just just petering out p- just p- odd, hour, yeah. apart from the odd break that City had but just didn't manage to to put the ball away but yeah I know what you mean and and again it's kind of like well look it's only Burnley it's only Fulham but it's not actually been fun to watch you know, a lot of times this season has it in terms of like, from an entertainment point of view so kind of Enjoy it whenever you can. Yeah,
2: it's good to have that back. Um, right now, if you subscribe to The Athletic, you can give another subscription as a gift for free. It's the perfect Christmas present for any football fan this Christmas. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all the podcasts. Wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to 2021 by sharing the gift of The Athletic's unrivaled football coverage for the whole year. Sam, uh, you've been writing about Rodri, haven't you, at the moment?
0: I have. Um, I think it was probably on this podcast a, a few weeks ago, or I don't know, maybe after the Leicester game. Everything seems to be after that Leicester game. Um, I've I've not really known what to think about Rodri. Um, and what I decided was a good player, obviously, but maybe not right for this City team, certainly at the moment. And that's not necessarily his fault. Um, so I basically went and had a... Um, well, I worked with Tom Warville, who's our data and analytics guy, to get some um you know some more stats and numbers that kind of stuff um you know comparisons with fernandinho in terms of the way he plays and how he plays and and what he does um and just kind of try to throw it all together and really boil down what what i do think and what i should think about him based on on the evidence really um so yeah there's a load of you know stats and graphics and and numbers and stuff in there there's also those kind of little things that, that I know, I'm sure there's many more, but those little things that you can't quantify with with numbers. You know, the little things that Guardiola ter- cherishes and at the end of the day, look, Rodri, I think he's played more minutes than any other outfield City player this season. So he, he has obviously got a purpose, which I probably haven't nailed down in the piece. There's a couple of little things from the coaching point of view that I've put in. But even for me, that doesn't really outweigh the, the other stuff. Like, it's 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 not an especially long piece. I think it's pretty clearly written by my standards. um I remember I wrote about Roger and Gunderwin in the summer and it was a nightmare to write. I wasn't I was it was kind of a journey of discovery as I was going through it, <laughs> it was and it just felt heavy to write, but this was what I felt was quite clear. If you subscribe now, you can read that but also um this week at some point we've got the big article on the CFG which I've been talking about for a while. It's done now. Um, it's written. It's just it's been edited very like very well. you know, we, I think we've had four people ac- actively writing it and we've had other people feeding in information as well. It's all been edited to, to get together very well. Uh, it, it explains you know why the CFG was created. you know the, the, the thinking behind it from Ferran Soriano and the owners, um, why the clubs, what happens when the clubs get taken over you know, to make them you know a CFG club how that's kind of kept on top of day-to-day, who's in charge of that. I've done a big bit on the, the signing of the players and how they go around, you know, the, these emerging talent players. So when they signed Ante Palaversa or was it Stefanovic they got recently? And they got the guy from Argentina, was it Rosa, Rosa they got from Brazil? Um, these guys, you know, they're not going to play for City probably ever. But, you know, we talk about that structure as well. And there's a case study which may be a bit more interesting for the us subscribers there's a case study on new york and how that's been going as well so it's a big piece it's a proper in-depth look and it's it's kind of it's one of those things that the athletic was kind of created for yeah um and obviously like the, the Rodri piece is that as well you know i didn't write about the fulham game specifically i wrote about a bigger theme but this cfg thing is a kind of you know put the kettle on and maybe get a biscuit and sit down <laughs> and, and if you're interested in what the CFG is why it is and how it works then hopefully there'll be a lot of answers in it so yeah there's a, there's a lot coming this week in particular and obviously it's the Derby so there'll be a lot of coverage after that as well
2: yeah it's the perfect time to sign up as well because you'll get a free gift for somebody else as well just go to athletic.com forward slash Man City pod that's theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod and sign up and you'll be able to gift another subscription to somebody else for free um, as Sam mentioned there it's the Derby this week so uh, let's talk about City versus United for this week um, Sam, in my head, United had quite a comical and poor start to the season. And then I honestly didn't expect to be going into this Manchester Derby a point behind them. So what, is, are the two starts of the season comparable? And if they are, what does it say about City's start to the season?
0: Um, I think, do you remember, anybody who listened last week, they might have remembered, when we were talking about that whole form of champions and teams who get a result without necessarily playing well that's generally you know they've ridden their look the other team have have hit the bar or the post a couple of times and and then you know the the team who are showing the form of champions are scored at the end but like in city's case and so with their recent one nil wins um it's you wouldn't say that's the classic form of champions because city have kind of got different standards. And I'm not saying that they're necessarily better than every Premier League team that's come before them. But you know when City are playing well because they're tearing teams apart. So when they don't tear teams apart and they only score one, you look at the problems with them not being clinical, which I don't think is harsh because it's happened more often than not. You look at them maybe being slow on the ball. You maybe look at them not creating too much. Um, so, you know, even the, the Olympiakos away game, you come away going well, it was bright enough at the start, but pretty dull overall. But then it's like, and so you come away with a feeling that, you know, City quite haven't clicked. But then, like when Guardiola says, you know, has had two touches in our box, you think, yeah, actually, you know, that that is a very good performance. You know, it's not usual for, you know, when we talk about form of champions or whatever, that old cliche you, you don't get the opposition having no touches whatsoever. Yeah. It's it's just very different. So the, the the vibe, I think to go back to your question, I think what you were saying is the vibe of the two teams, it it's felt like City haven't played well because at start at the start they weren't. Obviously the Leicester game was awful. Um the Leeds game um was chaotic slash bad but it was like okay I don't know where they are. The West Ham game I thought was was bad so they had a lot of bad results and that was kind of you know this is the worst start in the city's history since the takeover and the worst start for Guardiola etc and since then up until you know the burnley game even though they were winning and getting the 1-0 wins and the, the 1-0 draw against liverpool it still didn't feel like they were that good um and then yeah to be to be one point behind united um I suppose it goes, it's because it's a clash in how the two teams are seen. So even when City are winning, it's like, okay, well, that wasn't necessarily good. Um, But then United kind of, they get a few wins. And it's like, okay, this is fine. Because you know, Solskjaer's showing he can win and and this wasn't a counter-attacking performance, there was more than that, and or you know, Rashford's done something good, or Greenwood's done something good, or or Bruno's really good, or whatever. And it's it's just a difference in not how the two clubs are covered necessarily, but just how the fan bases react and the expectations really.
2: It's a clash um, of styles in that sense then. In that in that city as a team need to click to to look good, whereas United for this season have, have quite a lot been based on individual well, I moments.
0: Think I think it's also about expectations as well, you know. So City were at the top of the mountain and they're and they're trying to get back to that. But when there's a dip from a, a top position, you, you focus on the on the dips, you focus on the things that aren't going right, which I think is fair enough. United have been trying to get back to the top of that mountain for years and they've got nowhere near, really. Um, even that season to finish second was Miles off City, and then that was it, They fell away again completely, with Mourinho getting sacked halfway through. Um, but then it's so then it's like any positive will do. But then United are a mad club anyway, because as soon as things seem to be going terribly and people start talking about Solskjaer getting sacked, they'll have a run of results. And then as as we as we saw with the the PSG game and it looked like the West Ham game at the weekend, it was like, Okay, well it is another downturn just when things are going well again. But it, yeah, it's just United, it's very chaotic. And as soon as as soon as they have a bad result, it's it's the end of the world. And then as soon as they have a good result, it's, oh, maybe Solskjaer is the right man for the job. And it's such a, it's such a weird club in terms of how, how they're covered. Whereas, yeah, City is just a bit different because I think the standards are higher. Um, But it's still surprising that United are actually one point ahead of, of City. And I suppose that goes to show that City's start as maybe worse than I thought. I don't know. Like, I I I still can't, for all that, I've just spoken for five minutes about the two, Clubs are regarded and reported on, or or viewed or whatever. I I can't do the maths in my head. How City is still one point behind United, but it's. It, but well,
2: we I was going to say this game is very much it's it, it, it's a game between two teams striving for consistency, isn't it? That's that's that, that's where we're at with these two sides. Um, yeah, I suppose there's
0: also in terms of that not being able to compute it, like there's that element of. Was it United have got six wins and five of them have been from when, from losing positions? So it feels like it's a shambles, even though in the end they've won. So like the Brighton game, for example. So you know, without that Brighton game where they got the penalty after the final whistle and they were outplayed by Brighton, you know, they wouldn't be ahead of United. They wouldn't be ahead of City. Sorry, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And it's a bit like the West Ham game at the weekend. You know, West Ham were the better team considerably for an hour. And then obviously United equalized with that ball that looked like it had gone out for a throw-in. I think on match today, they demonstrated quite clearly that it should have been a throw-in. And all of a sudden, it was 2-1 and then they scored on the break. So there's that sense of this this isn't a good team, even when they get the wins. And, you know, those little margins have been enough to send them above City. Whereas, you know, with City, particularly me, obviously, I just overanalyze every little detail and try and hold them to the standard of they'd have won this game 6-0 two years ago kind of thing. So I think well, that- that's probably where the the discrepancy is for me, anyway.
2: That being said, um, I, I know we said we're reserving judgment on the season based on on, on recent performances for until after the derby. But it, it's easy to see why it's been encouraging the last few weeks because again, oh, yeah, no, you know I, like like two games, well, three games. City played well, kept clean sheets, scored a bit more than they have been, and and Guardiola's comments after the games as well about not uh, about picking his team based on on form and not rotation is it, it just. It, it, it kind of feels like the shot in the arm that, that they've needed to get that consistency they've been striving for.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like, like I say, even even in those games, you know, when I gave my little appraisal of the Fulham game, it was okay, yeah, well, it was fine, but, you know, didn't score the goals when they, you know, when they had the chances in the box, they were overplayed it in the box and the chances to counter-attack, you know, they didn't really take. But it's, again, it's one of those where, okay, Fulham, Okay, one on the one hand, Fulham like Olympiakos, like Marseille away, like Burnley didn't show much adventure. But at the end of the day, they just didn't, yeah, you know, barely got out of their half. Really, barely had a shot. And it's like, yeah, C- City, it's just got this different standard where you you take for granted that the opposition won't have a shot because they didn't a couple of years ago, um, and they would win five 0 But I suppose if we're comparing it to last season when there was, you know, the opposition were having a lot of shots, it's that consistency that that run of clean sheets that they're on is. Is obviously a positive as well. And I'm not saying it's not, but it just, that's what I mean by difficult to compute How United are still a point ahead because City seem to be getting their act together slowly but surely in the last few weeks. And obviously with the Champions League as well. And it, that's why it's just weird that they are one point behind United. But I can't, maybe that kind of sums up the whole.
2: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with
1: 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover.
0: Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Weird kind of intercity relationship with, you know, United over the last year because obviously, Position-wise in the table and points-wise and just performance-wise and everything, City are a much better team. Like sure, like surely, I think we can all agree on that. I, I don't know if United fans listening to this would want to agree on that, but I mean, surely that's just how it is. But you know, losing three times United last season is not was not a coincidence, is it? And the, that's why this whole it's weird that they're above City in the table now. Do I expect that to last this season? Absolutely not. Um but it's very weird how United seem to have City's number last season. I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen this weekend either.
2: Well, that's, that's the kind of interesting angle to this game as well, because certainly City fans looking at Solskjaer will look at him and go, well, the longer he's in a job, the better for us, because he's clearly a man yeah, yeah, who's, yeah. who's so far out of his depth that he's dragging United down. And yet last season, there were three performances against City where he just completely nullified any threat that City had. Mm.
0: Yeah. And it's like, because I see that on Twitter as well. Uh, and it's, that whenever he has a, a good result after, the, you know, like I said earlier, they'll have a run of bad results and people will talk about him getting the sack and then he'll he'll get a good result. And, you know, City fans on Twitter will be like happy about that. But then it's like, it, it's harder to kind of, you know, in terms of the, the derby, you know, bragging rights and all that and crowing about the results, it's harder to be a bit like that as a City fan, I imagine, when it's like, as much as, look, like at the end of the day, it's going to be fine. At the end of the season, it'll be fine. City will finish above United. But in terms of that derby day, you don't you don't want to be crowing too much about a bad manager being in charge if at the end of the day, he's got the better of City in those individual games. You know, City fans obviously don't want to lose the derby, obviously. Um, but especially after the last 10 years, like the, the, the record at Old Trafford has been phenomenal for City. Under Guardiola, in particular, up until last season, it was just a case of just turn up and... You know, play a thousand passes and, and win quite easily. Do a bit of making showboating at the end and go home and, and love it. And so, obviously, city fans won't want to be in this position where they're in now, where suddenly and for whatever reason, you know, United managed to to exploit their their weaknesses last season. I say for whatever reason, we know what it is, don't we? You know, they defend <laughs> they defended well, they counter attacked well, and City couldn't pick through them and they couldn't deal with the counter attacks. So, well, that, like that, I say, we talked about Burnley and Fulham, so we'll we'll get a very good idea, I think, at the weekend.
2: That though is, is is part of the interesting part of this game, though, isn't it? Because it, it, if United's game plan is again, let City have the ball, sit deep, defend well, and then break through Rashford and and Martial, for instance, then City's defensive performances this season have been a lot better. They've Leicester game aside, they've been they've not been as susceptible to that counter attack.
0: No, like the, the, well, I mean, we still talk about the counter attacks and
2: transitions, and the
0: team is still built to, you know, they couldn't suddenly say, okay, well, we're fine with counterattacks now. We'll just put Gundogan or Rodri back there on his own and we'll play, you know, Bernardo and, and De Bruyne, who was number eight, which isn't going to happen. They, you know, it's still built to stop those counter attacks, maybe at the cost of some of the attacking play sometimes. Well, I think that's pretty certain, really. Um, but yeah, and also, like, like I've, I've made the point after the Liverpool game, sometimes even when they do come, when the opposition do come through the midfield, it's the defenders that are just putting up with it. You know, the defense is looking solid and, you know, we've got the element now talking about, you know, tests and we'll see where city really are. John stones. I think everybody's been really happy to see John stones back in the team and playing well. And I think they feel kind of pleased for him on a, on a personal level. Um, and I'd, I'd probably go along with that. Um, but again, it would be interesting to see how he does. If the team were a bit more exposed and, you know, it's a, it's a game at old Trafford, um, and all this kind of stuff. Um,
2: Does Stones play at the weekend?
0: Well, I I mean, I don't see why not. Like um, the the weird thing is with Guardiola saying last week and the Laporte thing, it's not about rest. You know, players need to be playing, blah blah blah. But he then, you know, obviously rotated half the team for the midweek game in Porto, and then he kept them all on the bench at the weekend. And he said those people who didn't play against Fulham will play against Marseille at home. So obviously. Some of it is about rest, but for some players, you know, there was a message there, and I think I speculated on Monday morning when we did the podcast that it was about Laporte and Sterling. And I spoke to somebody in the afternoon, and they said, "Yeah, it was." You know, it wasn't about Foden, it wasn't about Bernardo. Um, but then obviously Sterling comes back in, and just the just the really interesting thing is, like Laporte, this this message that Guardiola put out very much applies to Laporte. You know, he didn't even get in against Porto last week when. He didn't have to play Garcia. He could have played Laporte, I guess, if you wanted to kind of say, okay, well, look, you've had your, you've had your message now. Let's go and see how you play. I guess Laporte will play against Marseille, but you know what Guardiola was saying about being picked on merit. It um, and Stones didn't play last midweek, but he did play against Fulham. It's almost and like same with Morris. Morris didn't play, but after scoring hat against Burnley, Guardiola said, "Look, he's going to play against Fulham because that's how it's going." So Stones hasn't done anything to to deserve being cut for the derby. So I expect it to be Stones playing, yeah, because, I mean, unless he gets injured now, or, I don't know, Laporte has a phenomenal game against Marseille, it would be very harsh to drop Stones. And then it would almost kind of go against Guardiola's message, which we know applies to the centre-backs directly. You know, Guardiola couldn't then say, oh, yeah, well, he, well, but he, he couldn't say it. Stones has played well enough to justify being played, so he couldn't take him out. So... I, I do expect him to play against united and if he didn't i think that would
2: be it'd send the wrong both message, harsh yeah. and bad management really and it, and it would go against that message that i was talking about has been giving me confidence for the start for the for the yeah, last few exactly. weeks as well and especially with stones like stones needs that
0: you know as much as anybody really
2: yeah um looking at uh, 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 uh this game in particular then what 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 does city need to do to be able to win it well where where will it be won and lost basically
0: um well, you know, when you talked about it being fun against Fulham, and I talked about the quicker passing, the more incisive interplay, and that kind of thing, they need that because I think I don't see why United would be any more proactive than they have been in the games last season. Because I think if you be to be fair, and to be fair, why why would you, why would you want them to be from from a United point of view? Like if you look at a formula that has. Beaten City three times out of four, and to be fair, the other City win they absolutely battered United in the you know the first leg of the cup game. It was a mauling. But if you look at the the overall games and the pattern, I don't think United would change. It. they would, I guess, sit deep and and try and play on the break. So the issue that City had against United at Old Trafford in March, just before football stopped for a bit, it wasn't the usual City create loads of chances but somehow not score. It was the occasional City looked terrible didn't really create anything. Looked like they could have been there all week and not scored. So what they'll need to do is combine better, use the ball quicker. You know, if United are are well disciplined, they're going to have to play quicker passes to get in behind them, to get around them, switch the ball to the other side of the pitch, um, try and get, you know, Mares in one-on-one situations with, like I assume it'll be Teles playing for for United. Um, He seemed to get he didn't have a great game from what I saw against West Ham at the weekend. Um, stuff like that. Just be just be quicker on the ball, use the ball quicker and then obviously then take the chances. So I think that's it. And then, because like you say, City were a bit better equipped to deal with the counter-attack, whether that's through the midfield and, and snuffing it out or whether it's just Diaz in particular. Stones, we guess, to play, you know, stopping it if it gets to the to the defenders, as we saw against Liverpool, you know, Cancelo was making a lot of defensive contributions, you know, tackles blocked, interceptions, that kind of nuts and bolts defending. So was Walker. Um, maybe it'll be a bit of that, but that's that's what it'll be. You know, be more robust against the counter attack and just just move the ball quicker and. As obvious as it sounds, take the chances.
2: Does does the fact that um, I mean, you, take a team like Liverpool for instance? Um, does the fact that that this defence held up so well to their kind of twenty minute, twenty five minute onslaught at the start of that game, and the only reason they conceded was uh, uh, effectively it was, it was a penalty, it was a spot kick from a free shot from uh, from twelve yards. It's there, is there confidence to take from that, given the Spurs game a couple of weeks later and that sort of counter, counter-attacking performance. Because uh, ultimately, City had this weekend going to come up against a counter-attack, aren't they?
0: Yes. Um, and the Spurs game was, like, as much as we can talk about Burnley and Fulham, and it feels like that, so, you know, and obviously the Olympiacos game, and it feels like, OK, corner turn or starting to turn the corner whatever you however you'd want to put it um that Spurs game was not long ago and that was a very clear reminder that those problems
2: um from last season are still there not um, necessarily just solved by new personnel
0: no because it it wouldn't be and like i say the the pressing was an issue last season and in terms of the numbers it's got worse this year but again you know that's not necessarily city's fault but again it's it's whether who, like, it doesn't matter whose fault it is, it's an issue. And if that pressing doesn't help, you know, if that pressing doesn't stop United from launching the ball forward for like Rashford and Greenwood and Martial to run onto, um, then they'll have an issue, um, as they kind of did against Spurs, really. Obviously, Spurs, are, I don't know, probably a bit happier to sit back and just soak it up and hit on the break because that's Mourinho. And I think United will be helped by the fact that there's no fans in the stadium because they can do that. But at the end of the day, they did that in March anyway. So, um, yeah, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Um, City are better at dealing with a counter-attack, but um, it's still an issue that's there. Like, going back to this Rodri piece I've written, you know, his issues haven't gone away with that. Um, They are better equipped to deal with it. But, yeah, you're right. The Tottenham Tottenham game is a good reminder that it, it is still there. And that's why it's such a... I don't know. It's not the perfect game for City because, you know, the, another perfect game for City would be like play Sheffield United at home and just keep this run going of easy wins and try and get some some form back. But it's a, bit it's of a momentum, perfect, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. But it's a momentum, exactly. But it's a, it's a perfect example for us. It's a good... Bellwether. Is it, but why is bellwether a word? Why is that? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I've made that up.
2: I don't know what it means. I've never heard of it. Like
0: it's like... It's, like, it's, like, it's, like, it is, it's effectively barometer. I'm Googling it now. Bellwether. Um... It's, a, it's the barometer, yeah. Um, yeah, here we go. This is good. This is a lesson for A bellwether is a leader or indicator of trends. There we go. It's a perfect bellwether for, for cities, um, You know, where City are at the moment. You know, have they turned the corner by scoring loads of goals against Burnley and knock, knocking the ball well against Fulham? Or are they going to get spursed like they did about three weeks ago? Or are they somewhere in the middle? So it is, it is, a. it is, it's going to be a very interesting game. Like, I don't like to read too much into 90 minutes, but I think after the last 18 months or so, how City have been playing, I think it will be a 90 minutes that will tell us a lot.
2: Yeah. Um. Bellwether, I'm having, that's, that's interesting. But get, <laughs> it's good. Get it's good get, get Spursed. Spurs is not a verb. I'm sorry, I'm not <laughs> having that one.
0: <laughs> um. No, it isn't. Well, obviously Spursy, but that's, I've changed the meaning. of Yeah, that. to um, get
2: Spurs. No, I'm not having that. I'm sorry. Well, but they, yeah, but but look, <laughs> they've look just at done it to Arsenal.
0: Look at what they did Arsenal, against Arsenal, they? and even Chelsea. You know, they didn't, they didn't score against Chelsea, but they just went well. We're not like it was just old. It was just classic old school Mourinho from, from forever ago. It was like, well, you're not scoring. Just, we might score, but you're not scoring, and so therefore we're not going to lose. And yeah, they they did it against Arsenal. And funnily enough, I noticed. You know, there's an article on the Athletic today um, analyzing the amount of crosses Arsenal are making. Without getting anywhere,
2: um, it's it's almost like they've got somebody in charge who uh, has a link to that sort of problem and
0: potential solutions to it. Well, I mean, it's not like it's like that's no that should genuinely be no surprise. You know, that's just that's their idea of football. It's almost like saying, you know, if Guardiola goes to another club and after a couple of years they start struggling to score goals, or even at the start they start struggling to score goals, they're going to put a lot of crosses in. That's no surprise. It's like like surprise when we talk about Mourinho, people are like. Oh well, you know, he's he's playing counter-attacking football. So, well, obviously, like <laughs> he's he's a man who does things in a certain way. Like just because it's Mourinho and he's got this whole cult of personality around him, like we we're kind of creatures of habit. We do things that um we do things that we're comfortable with. You know, we do things that that we've always done. Um, I saw something recently talking about. I think it was about Rodri actually, and it's again this. When I talk about you know how Mourinho has looked at and caught a personality in that, the thing, the the equivalent for Guardiola is that he's arrogant. The amount of City fans I see, say, oh, you know, this is you know it's arrogant to, to do this or to do that, and it sometimes gets applied to the club. I saw a point; it was about Rodri, and it was oh, it's almost it's arrogance from Guardiola that he's kind of forcing this type of midfielder, and he's saying, look, well, I was this type of midfielder, and Busquets was this type of midfielder, so I'm going to do that in the Premier League. So like, that's not arrogance. That's Playing football, according to your experiences, and like and who who's any different? Like Sam Allardyce isn't arrogant because he plays long ball football. That's because that's just his experience of playing football as a player and as a manager. It's got results for him. Like it's like there's no arrogance. Like, Mourinho is not arrogant. Like Mourinho is an arrogant man. Obviously, like, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. But um, he's an arrogant man. But he's not. You know, it's it's so funny how these things get attributed to people. I know I've gone off on of a bit of a tangent here, but it just really annoyed me that because I just thought, yeah. well, it's not arrogant. like It's just, it's his own experience. That's how he played the game. And he sees, you know, he saw Busquets play the game in a similar way. Chabi um, Alonso in a similar way. So why wouldn't he think it could work in England having you know, got 198 points in two seasons and also, you know, played his kind of football and got City, press. because I was looking at these pressing stats, City's pressing stats in that first season were very good as well. They're almost kind of, Leeds aren't the barometer, but, you know, Leeds are a good reference point at the moment because everybody knows that Leeds are pressing loads and, you know, they're they're top of the pressing stats and all of that. That's why it was like, even in the first season. So why wouldn't he think after a couple of seasons that that would be the midfielder, the type of midfielder in Rodri that could work? You know, maybe it doesn't work, but it's not arrogant, But there we go. A nice little tangent for you. I'm sure that's why people listen to this show.
2: Well, I was going to say, let's bring it uh, kicking and screaming back towards the, uh, the Manchester derby. <laughs> to um, the point at hand, yeah. Uh, just, you mentioned the freshness uh, thing before, and, and it, the Guardiola subs thing has kicked its head again this week because uh, it's not kicked his head either. I'm, that's me mixing up metaphors. It's uh, reared yeah. his head. Uh, but um, he obviously made no subs against Fulham. Um, I can... I kind of have sympathy with him oh, yeah. at the moment because, uh, uh, like like you said earlier on, the players that w- that would come on against Fulham are the ones that are going to play probably ninety minutes against Marseille, aren't they?
0: Yeah, um, and look, it's, it's it's probably one of those situations, where, and it doesn't matter ultimately, but it's one of those situations where. Pep hasn't helped himself because if he doesn't want to be criticised and sometimes he doesn't and you know when I asked him about not making not putting Foden on after the Liverpool game and like why didn't you make more subs if you if you just talk for five minutes about making five um, he's he's not helped himself and he's going to get criticised because it looks it's just it's just it's just black and white you talk about one in five subs then you don't make one but I suppose yeah exactly if you actually think about it in a bit more detail if he's thinking well I can only make three Yes obviously you could do that but if there's obviously a lot of data science that goes into it and I suppose devil's advocate because I'm not I'm not sure but I'd imagine this is it and I could probably check and I might even just ask him in the press conference if and risk him being RC again but I suppose it's as you say and as yeah as, as I tweeted over the weekend all those players who played against Porto or like seven or eight of them keep them on the bench there's no there is no point in sending them on for 10 15 minutes you know meaning, I guess that would actually mean I hadn't thought of this before, but on Sunday, I think they would just be part of the light recovery session. You know, they would be getting massages and not doing an awful lot of work. Whereas the people who didn't play would be preparing for the next game, I think. Um, so that's probably the situation. And after the game, Guardiola said the people who didn't play today, i.e., against Fulham, will play midweek. And obviously, the people who did play against Fulham, so De Bruyne and that and Mares, they won't play. So they don't. I mean, it's yeah, a dead They don't even talk. need to be in the squad, do they? Yeah, exactly. So just have the week, just have the day off. Um, so yeah, I think it it looks very jarring, especially to, to be so vocal about needing five subs and then not to make any whatsoever. But I, I do think there is some logic in it in terms of I don't know. Was it an especially demanding game? Um, having you know, De Bruyne, for example, having not played in midweek was he fit enough to play the 90 minutes? Did he need the last 15 minutes off? He probably didn't. He probably could play the 90 minutes. Um, and so I would imagine that that is the theory. Um, exactly. And like, again, so Bernardo and Foden and Torres can play, And um, I'm trying to think who else, Not Walker maybe, because Walker was left out, um, Can can play midweek. And that's where they get their fitness. That's where they get their minutes so they're happy enough that they're playing. But I suppose it also means that, a lot of those players just won't play against United. So it might be quite easy to telegraph who is going to start. Obviously, like Diaz played against Porto, Andy played against Fulham. Um, and certain like Rodri always seems to play. So like he's always fit, obviously, and he, he can play. Um, so, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he played again against Marseille, but he probably won't. And it'll be quite easy to tell, I think. Probably be most of the team who played against Fulham will play against United, I'd imagine. Which suddenly means Foden, kind of out of the
2: picture. Not, not necessarily in the picture. Oh, that, that was going to be my kind of kicker to that discussion is is will the Wednesday lineup give us an idea of, of how he's thinking for the derby?
0: Yeah, um yeah, just because i like I say I think most of the players who played against Fulham will be rested. Um I I don't know, he might make a tweak here and there, but like, it's quite a predictable team. Well certainly the midfield. Like I don't think he's going to change from Rodri and Gundogan, and obviously he's not going to change from De Bruyne, so that's fine. And like the whole, Foden, the whole thing with Foden is there's no place for him in that midfield. Like there should be, you know. I'd love to see. We know for various reasons it's not going to be Foden and De Bruyne as the number eight and, and one holding midfielder, but I'd love to see that. But it's not going to be. So then it's like, especially after. So he scored the, the goal, didn't he, in the Olympiakos? And you think, well, play him? I, I thought he would play against Burnley, um, and he didn't. But then if Marius calls a hat-trick, it's kind of like, well, fair enough. Um, and Morris is really good against Fulham. So it's like, I can't see him being dropped either. So then does Foden play on the left of midfield? And like maybe, that's not the midfield, left of the attack, maybe instead of Sterling. Because um, well Sterling was all right against Fulham as well, wasn't he? But like, it, this, this is it. Like we're looking for places where Foden can get in at the moment and not necessarily throw anything he's he's he is doing or not doing or doing badly. There's just... There's just not that space. So, Jesus will play. Mara's will play, I'm sure.
2: Well, uh, let's, I mean, just in. And then into you've also got one. Torres
0: now who could play off the left, although he didn't do necessarily well against Burnley. So.
2: Will, will it's Jesus cool. play? I think just, so. Just, I mean, all, all I'm thinking, you know, City scored seven goals in the last two games. Jesus managed an two assist games, and yeah. didn't, didn't really play that much of a part in anything else. And, I mean, Guardiola last season, the one, the one good performance against United was built around not having a centre forward there.
0: Yeah, you're right. Um, but, I mean the whole how they did with no centre forward when Jesus and Aguero was injured. I don't think filled many people with confidence either. Um, I don't know, may it, oh God. Obviously, if he could, if he could recreate what he did at Old Trafford in the first leg of the Carabao Semi, uh, then I'm sure he, I'm sure he would, or maybe he will. It's a good question. But I just think the whole false nine thing just didn't work in the in the games when they didn't actually have a proper number nine. And I think you know as part of stopping the counter attack. Jesus plays a big part in that, in terms of the counter pressing, um, and you know, at least if he's just putting them under pressure, pressure, then it means that Maguire or Lindelof are just kicking it away down, out wide, which you know, City are kind of ready for.
2: Um, I mean, there's also the argument as well that I, I think I, there's also the argument as well. I think that Jesus' best two performances last season were both against Real Madrid.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I think he would. I mean, look, for whatever it's worth. My thinking is not as joined up, obviously, as Guardia, As I can say this every time. It's obvious. But I, I would play Jesus for that reason. Like, And it's kind, it's kind of like, like the Spurs goal against Arsenal, the first one. Um, like Arsenal had a good attack and it broke down. But Aurier just had that time just to play the ball through two Arsenal midfielders or maybe a winger and the midfielder, whoever it was. And he just got into Kane's feet. And all of a sudden, that was it then. Kane knew what... What role he had in terms of dropping off, which he did against City, played as a son, and obviously Son went and did yeah, the individual goal. But it's just that difference. If you can have somebody count the press and stop, you know, in this example, Aurier picking a passing midfield and just actually making them ball high and wide into a channel, that's much better, and that's why I would I would play Jesus because uh, he's so valuable to the team in that respect. But then it, you get back to the age old debate, which look we might have on a podcast after the game about Jesus and does he score enough goals or not? And, you know, he might, he might score trick against United. He might get none. And we, you just never, you never quite know what you're going to get from him week to week in terms of the goal scoring front. Um, but I, yeah, that's, that's definitely a conversation for another day, but it's also yeah. a conversation that's been had for, I don't know, probably after most of his game. I was going to say for Good two and, off, two and off three years now. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: Um, how, is, how is Aguero? Because um, Guardiola keeps saying he's not worried, um, but I'm getting a little concerned.
0: <laughs> yeah, and rightly so. Um, so I was speaking to somebody close to Mendy during the summer. Well, during the restart, actually, and I think I've said this before, and I might have even said it in the Aguero context, but I didn't want to be kind of like the the harbinger of doom. God, checking me with my middle ages English words <laughs> today, but like a harbinger of doom and negativity in the summer. But I was kind of like, well, Aguero could have problems next year because the thing with Mendy was he recovered from an ACL, which is notoriously awful. Um, had the meniscus problem afterwards and i was told that he found it harder to um, recover or just generally meniscus injuries are harder to recover from because the acl you know is damaged it gets repaired and then it it heals and it's fine but the meniscus you have the, the the operation the procedure is you take a bit of cartilage out of the knee and then i've seen like i can see like a diagram in my head basically of kind of two bones in the joint but without that cartilage there, they kind of they rub together a bit more. There's a bit more friction and a bit more tension because that cartilage is there to soften it and reduce that tension. So you take that cartilage out and you get more tension in the knee. And that's why Mendy had the problem where he would play or he'd be ready to play. And then all of a sudden, the day before the game, he'd get swelling in his knee. And it, And he, on a personal level, would be like, this is so frustrating because I feel fit. I feel physically fit, but my knee's swelled up. I can't yeah. do anything about it. and I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to stop happening. And I mean, look, do we still know? Is Mendy fit enough to play three or four games in a row? We don't, do we? Like, because there's been other injuries as well. We still don't know. We don't know if, know if he's like, going
2: to be able to play at the weekend. Yeah. He's
0: actually, yeah, exactly. We still don't know if he's actually overcome that, if the swelling's a, an issue. But it was an issue for most of last season. And that's that's my concern with Agüero really because it was a meniscus injury as well. It was, if not the same procedure, then very similar. You know, he had, I think, the, you know that that piece of cartilage removed or a piece of cartilage removed, and now it's no surprise to me that you know Guardiola is is saying, well, when he was out the other week. It was discomfort in the knee, and that's the exact same kind of thing that Mendy had. I can't tell you that it's it's definitely what they had, but you know, knowing the the details that I know about both procedures and and the recovery from both, it doesn't surprise me at all. Here we are talking about Aguero missing a few games with with discomfort in his knee, and especially you know with his kind of history of you know coming back from injuries and a couple of knee problems here and there. Um, like you said, getting worried. I think he'll. I think he'll he'll be available at some point this season in fits and starts to, to contribute enough and score some important goals, potentially. Um, I'm hoping at least if he's going to struggle over Christmas, maybe and into the new year, I would like to think that he can at least finish the season, you know, February, March time with a flourish. But, um, like I say with Mendy, we still don't know if he's actually overcome it or not. Um,
2: is, is this the issue with Aguero weighing on any potential contract talks? Because obviously, in, 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 in about what, three, four weeks, he can start talking to other clubs. Yeah, probably. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, like, obviously, Guardiola said that he has to earn it, which I think was his general consistency, wasn't he? Like, everybody has to earn a new contract, so everybody has to earn their place. But in terms of him having to earn it, um, there's, there would be no point, I think, signing on one of your best played players for a year. If like they must, they must be planning to bring a striker in anyway. And like, why would you keep Agüero around if he was, if you thought he was going to have knee problems, when you've brought in a. a a, a main man number nine and you've got Jesus and I think Jesus is worth keeping even if he's never going to be as clinical as a Aguero I think he's worth keeping for all the stuff he does do and for all the goals he does score because at the end of the day if you've got somebody who's happy enough to not play every game but still score 20 odd goals with the potential to make it 25-30 then you're fine would you really want a Aguero around and like, would you keep a Aguero around if it meant getting rid of Jesus which some listeners would probably say yes or not getting another another a new number 9 in I don't know it it might it like it might just be a good time to move on if he didn't have the injury i'd say time to keep him around but it, i don't know if it would make much sense if if you know a year, we're talking a year's time but if he had like these these knee problems would it make sense to 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 keep him on for a year or would you say i mean look when will he've left if he does leave 2021 so it will be 10 years won't it
2: yeah it's
0: the same kind of thing as silver like and obviously Silva's playing really well now. Um, and they, they obviously couldn't keep persuade him to stay, but that was kind of Silver's own stubbornness, really. And having that idea of about 10 years in his head, I think Aguero would be happy to stay longer, but I just wonder if it makes sense at the moment. But obviously the, the thing about this is we could be talking in three months and he'd be back in the team. He could have scored 10 league goals. And we'd be like, yeah, definitely keep him and just make it work. So we'll have to see how it goes, but it is a concern-the-knee thing for sure.
2: Yeah, just a quick, a very, very final quick question on Mm. the David Silva thing. Um, uh, Because obviously a lot of City fans have seen how he's been playing in La Liga and uh, disappointed that he's not there to unlock the door in some of City's tight games this season. Um, I'm going to flip that question around and uh, and ask it in the context of Lionel Messi. Does David Silva's form in, in La Liga suggest that Lionel Messi might not have the impact in the Premier League? We thought he might. Uh, Silva's no. impact last season was lower and this is what he can do in, in La Liga now does that say anything for Messi's impact in the Premier League
0: I mean it might do it might do but I, I think the bigger issue is if if Messi you know for argument's sake if City were to sign Messi which I'm not sh- sure about I'm kind of getting less sure on that I don't know but I just don't know getting less sure on that but if they did sign him and let's say 18 months down the line we're having the conversation saying God what was the point in that On the pitch he didn't do He didn't do much i wouldn't say it was because la liga was any weaker or less physically demanding than the premier league i'd say it's because of his age Uh, which i was obviously kind of tied hand in hand but um yeah if you were to sign you know like if you signed messi five years ago it wouldn't have been an issue that that difference between the leagues wouldn't have been an issue um and but, and but again and the other thing, the other side of it is Messi is still playing in Spain and he's not even playing particularly well like not even by his standards he's just not playing particularly well which is not something that's just ever been said and it's kind of sad really on like a this is from a footballing perspective so i'm not really sure it's it's a league comparison kind of thing because you yeah. know Messi's playing in that same league um you can you know why is he not playing as well his own motivation his own you know declining age the team just not you know it's not a good pass the team you know loads of different things so no I don't I don't I don't think so I wouldn't use silver's form as a kind of as any kind of consideration for whether to bring Messi in or not I still think they should do it um just for the for the club profile and you know for my interest um, <laughs> and I think everyone's personal interest everyone wants to see how Messi would get on but it's yeah, yeah it's not He's the not correct, making the strongest sporting
2: case this season. The correct answer is, of course, that David Silver is just so good at football. That's why. That, that's why his his form has been so good.
0: Yeah, and also <laughs> like, yeah, and also like, we talk about Rodri not being suitable at the moment. and not necessarily being his fault. Like, David Silver declining physical standards needed to do a lot of physical, you know, stop counter attack, counter pressing work, which he wasn't necessarily up to. Look, I don't, I don't really know how Sasha play. To be fair. Um, but there's, you know, he might not have those demands. He might, he might not have been no longer suitable for this city team because that's what City want, and it's similar to Rodri. But you put him in a more technical team, and obviously, like we saw after the restart, um, he's still looking. It wasn't in every game, but he was putting the strings against so many teams. It was like a proper farewell tour, wasn't it? And yeah. He ob- he's obviously still got the quality, but maybe it was time to move on from City in the sense that obviously he wanted to. Um, but just But, but physicality, wasn't comparable, wasn't like that. yeah, because the physical demands—not necessarily the Premier League—but of this this City team. But um, if if, they'd, if City had found a way just to say, "Look, you can flirt around and do what you want and not contribute," then um, it would have been fine. But we just know that's not going to happen. Like that doesn't work. And again, we talked about Arteta and 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 Pep and the similarities, and not being surprised. Like, is it any wonder that Özil doesn't play at all? Of course, it isn't. Like when you talk about, oh, you don't have to. Contribute in this way, you don't have to be physical, you don't have to contribute to the counter pressure, you can just flirt around and play passes. That's never going to fly, is it? So, it's the same kind of thing, and that way it would never have been an option for for Silver at City. And and again, maybe talking about the, the time, maybe right if a grower is injured to say goodbye, the time was probably right to say goodbye to Silver in the sense that he was no longer suitable and fit enough and physical enough to play for this team. But is it like has his quality diminished? No, it hasn't.
2: God, it's going to kill me, you know, Sam. If he, if it's Aguero this summer, because I mean, it's going to be Fernandinho anyway. But it's been, it's been one player a year under Guardiola. With and Z- the thing Z- is, look, Fernandinho, Torre. Is,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. And the thing is, like, I might, I might be getting this wrong, and I'm not saying like anything negative about Fernandinho at all. Like, he is an amazing player. But what I mean is, in terms of like emotional attachment to supporters, when Fernandinho goes, it would be like, God, you were amazing. You were so important for this team. But um, I don't know if it'd be. Again, i was not a fan. I'm not sure if I'm getting this right, but I don't think it would be as sad as you know. Even Hart going, Zabaleta's goodbye, Torres as well. Even though Torre had is you know bit of a bit of a few issues over the last eighteen months or so, well, two seasons, um, and obviously David Silva, which haven't had the chance to say goodbye yet, um, and Agüero. They they seem like there's there's more of an emotional attachment there, but that's probably because of you know, being around for the Mancini titles. Yeah,
2: okay. it's it's only... It, the, the only difference is that Fernandinho wasn't there for that first title. Exactly, I mean, there's, that, that's they there's, yeah. there's still... Yeah, there's still... Uh, honestly, I, I, Fernandinho's character and his involvement in the last few oh, years, so it's just... So, it's so, so good. good. Yeah, so good. Um, final, final, final question, Sam. Uh, does City win the derby?
0: I'd have to say yes. Um, Because I'd rather be wrong about football... Than still accused of being biased. <laughs> so yes, they will. And if they don't, then I can come on here and be negative, and people can talk about me being biased and negative again. But no, uh, they have. Like, surely they have to. Like they must have learned lessons. They must yeah. have learned lessons. Um, I, I, I
2: think. They, I think they've learned lessons from last season.
0: I am concerned,
2: though. However, for City,
0: I'm not. I'm. I've gone in. Like, I went into the Liverpool game thinking City would beat Liverpool. I was that i was like this is just how this game will go that's how obviously i was wrong but i was like that that's how this game will go if i had, to, if i was given 50 pounds to put a bet on who will win or whether it'll be a draw I, I would have put it on city that's what i felt um this weekend not quite i think uh, yeah they they i think they will win i think they should win but i i'm not going into it thinking they'll be fine here uh, you know there's there are there are issues will they be clinical Will they deal with a counterattack? Um, I don't. Like I said, it's a good bellwether because we've not we've not got the proof yet, and that might give us it. And to finish on the bellwether, I've still got the page up, and it says the term derives from the Middle English bellwether um, and refers to the practice of placing a bell around the neck of a castrated ram leading the flock of sheep. So there you go.
2: Um,
0: right. Like, yeah. By next week, we'll have a good metaphor for that. Who Who is the castrated ram leading this city team? the city team
2: (laughs) Uh, well I've got Urban Dictionary up for Spurs uh, and that just means to mess up (laughs) so uh, here we are Uh, we'll find out who wins the derby next week I guess Uh, but for this week that's it uh, plenty more
0: answers to come next week (laughs) Uh,
2: and plenty more questions as well from me on uh, why away. so as you've been listening to Sam Lee
0: yeah thanks I hope you enjoyed that and to
2: me David Mooney Uh, don't forget you can sign up to The Athletic right now and get another free subscription for a friend by using the code MANCITYPOD